Hello and welcome to Victoria's Living Christian Center's Victoria's Living Podcast. Victoria's Living Christian Center is a church that strives to stand for goodness and is committed to encourage and show a better way. A church whose vision is to see God's people living a victorious life. This is accomplished through community outreach, education, healthy living, and support groups while still providing spiritual growth. Our goal is to meet the needs of man, spiritually as well as naturally. So welcome and enjoy. chat room this is our Bible study on tonight. We welcome each and every one of you to come on in and share. Amen. Come on in and share. that's going to be coming on tonight. Prophetess Patrice Myrick, she'll be doing, she's continuing her 12 most inspiring leadership lessons from Bible characters. She'll be presenting on tonight. Amen. And we are excited. Amen. We are excited. Yes. Amen. 
that's going to be discussed on tonight. It is Peter and the phrase is leaders recover from failure. We have Peter on tonight. That's who our topic is going to be on tonight. Amen. So we're giving you a few more minutes. Just go ahead and share. Amen. So we're going to go ahead and let's get this, turn the music down and present our speaker on tonight, our very own prophetess. Amen. We are excited on tonight to hear what the Lord has to say. Amen. So let us go ahead and fade out the music. Amen. 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 We bless the Lord on today. Amen. So we're going to go ahead and start. We're going to ask our very own Pastor John. Will he open us up in prayer? Amen. And the next voice and person you will see will be our very own Prophetess Patrice Myrick. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you, God, for bringing us together, God, one more time. And God, for seeing fit that this union continues and continues to be strong. And God, we pray, God, that you just be in the midst, God. We pray, God, for the, the teacher on today, God, that you continue to bless her, God, continue to heal her and her body, God. God, we just pray that you continue the good work that you are doing in her, God, for you are showing, God, that she is an awesome teacher, God, and you are giving her, her your word continually, God. And we just pray that you continue to just feed into her and feed into her as she pours out unto us. And God, we pray, God, for this ministry, God, that you would let this ministry just go out into the hedges and the highways and draw in people, God. We pray, God, that you just open up the hearts and the minds of people to be able to receive whatever it is that you have for them. And God, we thank you, God, and we just pray that you forever get the praise, the glory, and the honor out of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So at this time, we're going to silence everyone's mic, and we're going to present our very own prophetess. Go ahead, prophetess. You go ahead and start. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to week 11. Welcome to week 11. Uh, we are almost there. And I'm happy today because we are studying one of my favorite disciples, Peter. I love Peter because Peter was a thug. <laughs> he was a thug for Jesus. <laughs> and I love him for that. And just I titled this, to, this evening as Leaders Recover from Failure. When we look at Peter, we know that, um, you know, some things that he did, but he redeemed himself towards the end. So I'm going to um, expound on that as well. But I want to go through um, basically how Jesus and, and Andrew, I mean, excuse me, Jesus met Peter and Andrew, his brother. And that's in Matthew chapter four, the gospel of Matthew chapter four, verses 18 through 19. 
is where we're going to focus on and we're going to expound from there going through um, the Gospels. Matthew 4, chapter 4, verses 18 through 19 reads, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net in the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, the explanation in reference to the fishers of men is that these guys were commercial fishermen and they were, they were, uh, their business basically was in the Sea of Galilee. They inherited um, Simon and Peter, they were, they were fishermen by trade. And he and his brother Andrew, they inherited the family fishing business sitting at Capernaum and they caught their fish in the Sea of Galilee. In that time, commercial fishermen on that lake in, in, in the Lake of Sea of Galilee, they caught three types of fish. The first type of fish is the small fish, which we see mentioned in John 6, 9, in connection with the feeding of the 5,000. They're called sardines. We know about those, but a little bigger than what we see in a can, right? And they were served with flatbread, and that was basically a staple of the region at that time. Another kind of fish they caught was called barbels. Barbels because they had, they were, they were, they had a lot of meat. Um, and they were like, um, they had these filaments in the corner of their mouths, but they were kind of, a, um, they were a bony fish, but they could grow very large, weighing about 15 pounds. And this is the type of fish, when we talked about how Peter, Peter caught the fish with a coin in his mouth, that's that fish they were referring to, the barbel. And that was found in Matthew 17, uh, verse 27. Because it's the only fish in the Sea of Galilee that's large enough to swallow a coin, it also be caught on a hook. The third type of fish is called a musht. It's M-U-S-H-T. This type of fish that swims and feeds and shows and it has like a, um, a dorsal fin and it grows extremely large from six inches to a foot or a half a foot long. And so, and to this day, they call it, um, it's fried musht, M-U-S-H-T. And they can be served uh, to this day at restaurants at the Sea of Galilee and they call it St. Peter's Fish. Simon and Peter, Simon and Andrew spent their nights netting those fish. The brothers were originally from a small village called Bethsaida on the north shore of the lake. And as you can see that in John chapter one, verse 44. And, but they had moved to a larger town nearby called Capernaum, which we could find in Mark chapter one, verse 21 and 29. Simon and Peter also had a wife. How do we know this? Because when we look at Luke chapter four, verse 38, Jesus healed his mother-in-law. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 5, that Peter took his wife and his, and his apostolic, on his apostolic mission that may indicate either that they had no children or that their children were already grown by the time he took his wife. However, Scripture does not expressly say that they had any children. Peter was married, and that's really all we know about his domestic life. We also know Simon Peter as the leader of the apostles, and not only from the fact that his name heads every list of the 12. We also have explicit statement in Matthew 10, 2, know now the names of the 12 apostles are first Simon, who was called Peter. The word translates first, and that verse is Greek term protos, and his name was basically Petra, which means little stone. Okay, so when it looks at him that he was the leader of the group, Peter's leadership 
um, is further evident when we know him, when he normally acts as a spokesman for the whole group. He's always in the foreground, taking the lead. He seems to have a, he have a, a naturally dominant personality and the Lord put it good, to good use among the 12. But what I love also about Peter, that he was equipped, that he was called by God. God chose him to be the leader. That when we look at leaders, leaders are born, leaders are chosen by God, which means they have given the gifts. In Peter's sake, he had so many gifts that, that, that allowed him to to be able to maneuver and, like you said, be the head of the apostles, basically taking on situations that um, that, that, that would come along in reference to Jesus and where he was um, in his ministry. Um, we also look at that Peter's name is also mentioned in the Gospels more than any other name except for Jesus. No one speaks as often as Peter and no one is spoken to by the Lord as often as Peter. No disciple is so frequently rebuked by the Lord as Peter, and no disciple ever rebukes the Lord except Peter in Matthew 16, 22. No one ever confessed Christ more boldly or acknowledged his lordship more explicitly, yet no other disciple ever verbally denied Christ as forcibly or as publicly as Peter did. No one is praised and blessed by Christ the way Peter was. Peter was the only one Christ ever addressed as Satan. The Lord had harsher things to say to Peter than he ever had said to any of the others. So when we look at him, we look at that he was, he was impulsive. Um, he, was, he was ready to fight. He was ready to defend. But he also was a follower of Christ. But at the same time, when I, in my previous statement, I talked about that, no, that Christ spoke to him more than any other disciple. But also... He was called Satan because there were some things that Peter did not understand or, or had come to the understanding of the mission of, of Jesus Christ and what his mission was and what things were about to take place. What Peter was about to, you know, to defend, you know, he cut the soldiers when they were trying to take Jesus. But at the same time, you know, Jesus told him that, you know, you're going, you're going to deny me three times. He was, you know, he was like, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. But when the, when the crow, when they said, when the crow cocks, um, when the crow <laughs> makes his noise, and I can't say that word correctly, that he is going to deny him. And that's exactly what happened. But we also look at him, we look at the fact that on the other side of, of Peter, when after Jesus had ascended, that, that Peter came um, going from, you know, being called Satan to denying him and then basically realizing who he was, that he basically, he preached a sermon in, in the, in the uh, Gospel of Acts that, that drew in so many people. And so when you look at him and, and, and all the different characteristics of Peter, that how he was able to, you know, go from denying Christ because he's like, no, you know, you can't die. You know, we're not, we're not ready yet. And he calls him Satan because you're getting in the way of my father's purpose for me, which Peter did not know of, but he also knew who, who Jesus was. And so when we look at Peter, he also was, um, I can say that he was he was very loyal. He was a loyal leader um, in reference to how he was loyal to Jesus Christ. But when we talk about failure, you can look at his life and say, well, you know, he did so many things. He failed Christ. He denied him. But how many times have we denied Christ? We look at our lives as leaders and say, how many times have we failed? And God still gave us enough grace in order to make up or to um, 
you know, to have enough grace and mercy for us to catch up with ourselves and that we grew from our failures, that if we've never experienced anything in life, how are we are to minister if we can't relate to the people? So I love Peter that, that way because he was able to relate to people because that he was able to, to he was, a, he, you know, in, 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 a, in a sense, he failed Jesus, but then he came back he came back and basically was like, he, he just preached. He, he preached. He preached a message on the day of Pentecost that caused hundreds of people to receive Jesus. And the, and the church grew, the first church, it grew exponentially. And so we look at uh, Peter that also that he, um, his spiritual leadership, um, it was like a Christ likeness. This is why that leader himself must manifest Christ-like behavior. We have to be like Christ in order for people to follow us. We must be trustworthy. We must be able to have a close connection with God. We can, and, we, and we look at Peter's life and there's so many other characters that we've talked about in this leadership series that God can use anyone. We knew that God used the donkey. We saw that God used the fish with the coin in his mouth that, you know, you know hey, God would use, he had Moses use his staff in order to free his people so that we can't get caught up in our past failures that we have to be able to be submissive that we you know once we fail, once we recognize that this is not of God, this is how I messed up, that we raise our hands and we submit. We're submitting to Christ because we have to be that the only way that we can be a spiritual leader is to submit to Christ, to submit to our father, because he's the one that's guiding and directing our purpose. And that if we don't submit to him, which means that and I'm not saying we, yeah, we bow down and we worship him, but submission means that we are able to listen and be trained and, and to be taught because so many people want to be a leader, but nobody wants to be trained and taught. I'm going to say it again. People want to be leaders. And I left out this other part with titles. But nobody wants to sit under leadership to be trained and taught. And that takes submission. You have to submit yourself under your leaders to be trained and taught to, to grow your gift. And Jesus had the 12 disciples and he had to train them and he had to teach them. But he also had 12 different people with 12 different personalities. But they were all and they all made mistakes and they all say crazy things because some of them wanted to be first. Someone wanted to be the one, you know, like John, the one that Jesus loved the most. They wanted to be the most favorite. But at the end of the day. Even leaders have leaders that we have to be submissive to, that we have to be willing to be taught in order to do ministry, in order to do indecency, in order and to, uh, and to, um, to learn and grow to have Christ-like character. That if we're not willing to be taught and be submissive, then we need to go sit down somewhere because now we're saying that I'm in charge, I'm running the show, and it's my ministry, not God's ministry. And so we get in our own way when we don't we don't submit to others. And Jesus taught us that he trained these disciples so that when he did ascend to heaven, he had Peter preached the day of Pentecost and drew hundreds and hundreds of people in, you know, to the to the church and the church grew. How did Peter know that through his life experiences, through his failures, once he denied Christ and realized who Christ really was? And he denied him knowing who he was. It wasn't like he didn't know who Christ was when he denied him. He did. He denied to save himself. And so that even with that mistake, he still had enough wisdom, enough grace, and enough stuff that God, that Jesus put into him that the day of Pentecost, he was able to preach. 
Because you preach from life experiences. You can't preach from not going through anything. You can't preach from not learning or being taught from anything. You can't preach without studying the word of God. Where you get this from? Not from, from yourself, from your own mind? Then, that's, then you're not preaching the gospel. You're preaching you. And there, and from what I, and from when I, when I read the Bible, Christ is the center. God is our Father. Christ is our Savior. So how can you put you, us, in in that when they are the head? They're the ones that's that's saving our souls and changing us day by day. You know, and, and making ways out of no way, providing for us and our families. So that when you look at submission. You know, it's an indispensable character leaders for leaders to cultivate. If you can teach people to submit, they must be examples of submission themselves. So I can't teach you how to submit if I won't submit. Say it again. I can't teach you as a leader, as a pastor of a church to submit if I won't submit. Not just submit to Christ, but submit to the leadership of the covering that I'm under to make sure that the church is being run correctly, to make sure that when I hear from God, I'm hearing correctly, that I'm following his instructions correctly, that if I don't submit to him, and sometimes I have to repent, if I'm not teaching you that, then how can I lead you? Because the leader should be able to teach you how to repent. It should be, the leader should be able to teach you how to be submissive to submit unto authority and yes. direction and instruction. Yes. And if we as so-called servants cannot be submissive to our masters with all fear, then who are we? Christ, Jesus, God is our master. He is the one that's running the show. But we want to say we want to submit to Jesus, but we won't submit to our pastor and to our leader. Something's wrong with that picture because when you look at it, that if your pastor is supposed to be responsible for your soul on earth and making sure that they're preaching the word, they're preaching the good word, correct word, the truth of Jesus Christ, then how can you expect them not to be submissive to God? Because they're held more accountable. When you look at that, you want to be a leader, you're held more accountable if you have people following you. You can't have anybody following you if you don't have if you are not a good example. Nobody wants to follow a mess. You know, we also look at, get, uh, at Peter. Peter had to learn restraint. <laughs> he had to learn restraint. Most people with natural leadership abilities do not naturally excel when it comes to exercise, exercising. Um, Restraint, self-control, we talked about last week, discipline, moderation, and reserve do not necessarily come naturally to someone who lives life as the head of the pack. That is why so many leaders have problems with anger and out-of-control passions. I'm going to say that again. If they're not practicing restraint, self-control, discipline, and moderation, and reserve, It doesn't come natural to people who are leaders. So that's why so many leaders have problems with anger and out of control passion. Just because you're a leader doesn't, doesn't you don't have to be mean. We talked about that last week as, as well. When we look at 
anger management seminars, they're basically for the CEOs and people in high positions of leadership because they have issues because they have so much pressure on them. But at the same time, they don't know how to practice and have self-control every strength. Peter had, he had a hot head. He had a hot head and he was, his personality, <laughs> he had a decisive initiative, uh, they say initiative taking personality that made him a leader in the first place, such as a man easily grows impatient with people who work, who lack vision or underperform. He can quickly be irritated for those who throw up obstacles to success. Therefore, he must learn restraint in order to be a good leader. Sometimes people have to be taught differently because all they know is all they know and their pathology from how they were raised has to be changed. And we have to, as leaders, help them with that as, as God and, and show them in the word and they grow in God and their character will be changed so that their, their personality becomes different and they're not stuck on um, becoming so irritated or becoming or having uh, the lack of self-love and all these things that people deal with in their lives because of their pathology. And as leaders, we have to recognize these people. We have to recognize what's going on. We have to pray and ask God to show it so that we'll know how to guide them and lead them, right? So when we look at Peter in the garden, um, the scene in the garden where Peter tried to decapitate Michaelis, he was the, uh, the guard that was trying to get Jesus. Is a classic example of his natural lack of restraint. Even surrounded by hundreds of Roman soldiers, all armed to the teeth, Peter pulled out his sword and was ready to wade into the crowd swinging. It was fortunate for him that Malachi lost nothing more than his ear and that Jesus immediately healed the damage. As we have already seen, Jesus rebuked Peter sternly. He rebuked him right in public. He didn't wait till he got behind closed doors. He, he rebukes him at the scene of the crime. And sometimes as leaders, we have to rebuke, um, you know, rebuke people that are under our leadership. And, and sometimes we take them to the side and we talk to them quietly because it's not, you know, everyone's business, but you don't want to embarrass somebody. But we have to also practice restraints in the rebuke. You don't stand in the hoop of the hall and embarrass anybody. Jesus healed the man's ear. He rebuked Peter and they moved on. But when we look at that abuse, um, that rebuke had to be hard for Peter because Peter felt as though he was defending Jesus and he was, you know, he said, you know, so it's like, but later in life, he wrote, Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that would, should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, though, I mean, who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges rightly. And that's found in 1 Peter 2, 21 to 23. But he was so different. He was so different in, in far as um, not only that he had to learn restraint, he also had to learn humility. You know, leaders are tempted, often tempted by sin with pride. And that is so true. And we've seen that. We can, we can name preachers and people we've been under, been around in church that, that suffer from pride. And so then when we look at pride, it's, a beset, it's, it's, it, it's the besetting sin of leadership that makes make people the tendency to think more of oneself than you should think that you're reading the commentary and you believe the hype about you because you're a leader that you're caught in the pride and not realizing that 
you're called to be a leader. God chose you to be a leader and you be submissive unto him. And therefore, God, our father, gets all the credit and not you. How can you be prideful if you're following Jesus? It's not about you. Anything that you have, Jesus, God gave it to you. Gifted you with that. If it's healing, he gifted you with that. But not only that, he's healing through you. Your, your hand is, is just a vessel. It's just a vessel. It, it's not your hand. It's the spirit of God moving through you, the Holy Spirit doing the healing. Don't take credit because you were born with two hands. The gift of healing is given by God. He gave it to you. So you can't take credit for it. The gift of deliverance, the gift, the gift of seeing and, and, and being a seer, all those come from God, but they also come with, with, with some, um, I'm not going to say stipulations, but they also come with some weight. You can't put your hand on everybody and, 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 and you cannot, every time you think you want to tell somebody they're going to be healed because if you're not operating in the spirit, it's not going to work. If you're operating in vain glory, it's not going to work. But if the Lord is there and the Lord is present and he's in the healing business and, and the spirit of God is moving through the room, healing can take place and so can deliverance, but you cannot give yourself the credit. You must remain humble and give God all the glory, the honor, and the praise for the gift that he's given you and for the healing of that person. You're not in charge of salvation because you have the altar calling people come and get baptized. That's something that God has taught you to do as a leader. But you don't take credit for the baptism. The person come down, come back, and, and they're, they're clean. That's not your doing. You did your physical body did the dunking, you know, the sprinkling, or whatever it may the case may be. But you can't take credit for the deliverance or the salvation because you're not the savior. And a lot of times leaders get caught up in that and they think that they're the savior and that people are supposed to worship them, and so they struggle with that thing called humility. But Peter also learned love. And that's one of the things, all the disciples struggled with learning true spiritual, the true spiritual leadership means loving, loving service to one another. You know, they always say that there's certain people that can serve. We're all called to serve. We're called to serve in different arenas and areas in the body of Christ. And even in this world, serving people, feeding the hungry on our jobs, we serve people. We, you know, we have a business, whatever we're doing, we're serving someone. So that's why Colossians 3 says that everything that we do, we are to do it unto the Lord because we're serving people. A business solves a problem. It helps people. So no matter what business you're in, where you're serving, you are to do it unto the Lord, not unto yourself. So we have to learn how to serve with love, the love of service. And so many people are, they don't understand service. They think it's just the people who work in the kitchen and the people, you know, who are, who are, you know, giving out socks to the homeless and those people, because those people have a, a gift for it. We all have it. If we have something that someone needs and God tells us to give it to them, then we are to give it to them and not think about it twice. So Peter learned so much. He learned so much being with Jesus because him, not only just him and the other 11 disciples had to learn his ministry. Because when he was gone, 
Peter wouldn't have been able to preach the sermon on the day of Pentecost. They, they just tore down the house. His whole mindset changed once he realized that he had forsaken Jesus, that he had betrayed him and he had denied him. And that God and that Christ, I mean, Jesus told him he was going to deny him. Can you imagine what Peter is feeling like that? Oh my God, this man was right here with me and I abused it because I denied him and I lied about it and I didn't really understand what his purpose was. And now he's gone. And maybe Peter didn't get got better understanding once God, once Christ was gone. And sometimes we as people get better understanding of our loved ones and other people, not while they're here, but once they're gone. And we don't want to have to deal with it. That is a, that is not a good place to be in. That is not a good place to be in. Not loving and not serving and not being with someone. And then when they're gone, you're falling all over the place. You're the one jumping in the casket. The devil is alive. You better give them their flowers while they're living. Serve while you can. Love while you can. This is all that Jesus has ever taught us. And he had to teach his disciples. Just like he had to teach Peter. But one of the biggest we talked about last week, Jesus serving and washing the feet. And Peter was, was so stunned that Jesus washed his feet. And that he told him, but, you know, be careful thinking things that you have to make sure that you're serving. That basically he says, Lord, you're washing my feet. Like, what do you think you're doing? You know, like, why are, you, why are you washing my feet? I should be washing your feet. And we talked about last week that Jesus said, I come to serve. And so all he kept trying to teach him was to serve and to love and to serve and to love. But also that was washing the feet was, similar, was a symbolism of the spiritual cleansing of man, of the spiritual cleansing of the soul. That when you're lost, your soul is dark. When Jesus comes into your life, your, your soul gathers the light. You're able to exhume Christ-like behavior because now you embody the light of Christ. I can't be a leader if I can't embody the light of Christ. I can't be a leader if I'm haughty, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm prideful, if I'm caught up in that I'm in charge and I'm larger than in charge and I get this and I can do that and all these things. I can be mean to people. How can, you, how can people follow you if you're mean? How, you say that, you're, that you want to, people to come to your ministry or to follow you because you want people to be saved. But then you have to exude that behavior. We can't do like my mom used to say, do what I do what I do and not, do what I say and not as I do. That doesn't work in the church. Now my mother said that many times. I tried it when I was a teenager and she came right back at me. But at the end of the day, that as 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 leaders and 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 we are to be be Christ-like, we have to follow Christ. We have to follow him. And then we look at his life that, you know, did, did Peter ever learn to love? Of course he did. You know, we look at him and that in 1 Peter chapter 4, wrote, he wrote, above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. That was Peter who said that. He went from denying Christ. He said, above all things, 
have fervent love for one another, for the love will cover a multitude of sins. So that even though, even though that that we feel as though, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, we're saved and, and all that, but we still have sins that, that need to be covered by fervent love. And that we're to do the same for others, that even though they come into us and we know they're sinful, we don't have to do things, we still have to love them. As my grandma said, I'm gonna love the hell out of you. I'm gonna love you so hard the hell gonna jump out your body. That we have to know that, that we have to also about compassion. Peter learned compassion. That when the Lord warned Peter that he would deny him, he said, Satan had asked for you that he may sift you as we. Luke 22, 31. But, but Jesus told him, he said, I have prayed for you that your faith fail us not. He said, I'm not going to allow Satan to sift you. That he, he said, I, I'm praying for you. I have prayed for you that your faith shall fail not. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brother. The compassion. He told him that he was going to deny me. He said, but Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as we, my God. We can look at our children, our nephews, or people in our family, and we can see where um, they may have fallen by the wayside and Satan is trying to get a hold of them. Our prayer, we pray for them. We don't point fingers because there was a sin that we were doing that our parents prayed for us. See, we forget, we don't, we don't know all the prayers that mom and them pray for us behind, behind that bedroom door on their knees at night for their children. We have no idea what our parents saw in us that needed to be corrected or the gifts that needed to be exposed or needed to be um, a nurtured that what God told them about us. But there was also some things that were not of God in us that our parents had to pray us out. How do we think we got here? Somebody prayed for us. And so that compassion to not to be judgmental, but to pray and to intercede on behalf of people who are going through. And so we look at Peter says for the rest of his life, Peter would need to show compassion to people who were struggling. After being sifted by Satan, Peter was well equipped to empathize with others' weaknesses. That's the key right there. Can we as leaders empathize with people's weaknesses? Does that mean it has to match yours? I'm not going to judge your weakness and you better not judge mine because we all got some. I ain't going to say one. We got some. And so that our weakness, so that we should be able to empathize what we've gone through has equipped us with that humility to empathize not have sympathy, empathize, put ourselves in their place, love on them, do what was done to us. That he, as I say, that um, others would say he can hardly help after great, after great compassion, but those who had succumbed to temptation or fell into sin, he had been there. And by that experience, he learned to be a compassionate, tender-hearted, gracious, kind, and comforting to others 
who were lacerated by sin and personal failure. Peter's like, been there, done that. Uh, what can I do for you? I'm here to help you. I'm here to listen. That we need to be make sure. Because then Peter later says in 1 Peter 5, 8, through 10, he goes, be sober and vigilant because the adversary, we talk about this all the time, the, the adversary, the devil walks about like what? A roaring lion, right? Seeking whom he may devour, um, devour. We have to resist him. Be steadfast in faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. So Peter understood human weakness. He had already been to the bottom. His own weaknesses had been thrown in his face. But he was perfected and strengthened. And, and, and he was settled in the Lord. He was flat-footed. So that when he was able to write, to write, when God gave him instruction through the Holy Spirit to write his section of the New Testament, he was able to do so. But he also had courage. You know, we talked about him cutting off the ear of the of the um of the one of the guards, Micaiah, M-A-L-C-H-U-S, if I said that right. That therefore he could face the difficulty because he had already been through some dark times when he wasn't being obedient and he was being thuggish and he was being um you know on guard for Jesus. He was protecting Jesus, but at the same time he was out of order because Jesus already knew what was going to happen. Peter didn't. So Peter was in a defense, he was in defense of, of Jesus, but also he was ready to fight at any time for his Lord and Savior. So when we look at Peter's life, we look at the fact that the price of preaching would be the death for Peter. Persecution, oppression, trouble, torture. And he, was, he ended up being a martyr. But when we look at his, the real courage is when he, he preached from his heart at Pentecost. When he was filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit, prior to that, he had shown flashes of a fickle kind of courage. That is why his actually he drew his sword in front of a multitude and armed soldiers one minute, but denied Jesus when challenged by a serving girl a few hours later. His courage, like everything in his life, was marred by instability. So when you look at his life at that point when he went from cutting the cutting the ear off, right? And then he denies Jesus and um he denies him and he basically says that, you know, I don't know him. From one minute to the next, he goes from protecting Jesus to denying Jesus. So he seemed to others to be unstable. Like, well, are you following him or not? What, what are you doing? But when we look at us, we can, we can say the same thing about us being in unstable. Having a spirit of instability, one minute, you know, Jesus, is, as long as you're getting what you want, you know, God is my rock, he's my provider, hallelujah, I'm shouting, I'm practicing my steps and all that. But as soon as life shows up for you, now all of a sudden you walk away from God, you walk away from the church, you're mad at God. We've all been angry with God at one time or another about some stuff in our lives. Angry, but not walk away. 
Because God already knows you're angry, so he don't need to say you're not angry because he already knows that. He knows everything. But to walk away from him, people have walked away from the church, from who they know Jesus is in their lives because of life stuff, life situations, not trusting the church. Why does God take away good people? My, my grandmother died. Why is, you know, why is there war going on? All these things people have used to walk away from Christ. Because when you think about it, if you could walk away that easily, did you really have a relationship? Because see, it's easy to walk away when your boyfriend and girlfriend, you just go to your separate corners. But when you're married to the bridegroom, huh? when you're married to the bridegroom, ain't no walking away. You can't just walk away. There's some things, there's some convictions that are going to come, come to you. They're going to keep you, they're going to keep you close. Even though you might not feel close. And sometimes we say, oh, God has left me. No, we left him. He never left. He might have been quiet, but he never left. So. Peter can show us through his life, through his bravery, through all the stuff, his life experiences that he had to learn in order to learn how to be compassionate and loving, practice humility, and all, all the characteristics um, that, 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 that Jesus taught him while he was on the earth. And also what he learned after Christ ascended, that he was also... The first epistle, we get a hint of why he was filled with such courage, writing to Christians dispersed all over the Roman Empire because of persecution. He tells them this, blessed be the God of the Father of our Lord, Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, that perishes though is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That is found, I, um, when I read that, I was like, woo! I, that is found in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 7. So when we look at all of the lessons of Peter, Peter was, he was transformed by the renewing of his mind. Just like we are. We're transformed because Jesus saved, even though he walked with Jesus and denied Jesus. He still had the grace and the salvation that Jesus had because Jesus loved him. He called him the rock. Jesus saw the inside of his soul, the rock, but had to deal with the outside character of him as a man and had to train him to become better, even though he told him in advance, you will deny me. So Peter... He was someone who, he did die in the end. And, you know, we know that Jesus told Peter that he would die as a martyr. Jesus prophesied over Peter a lot. He told him he would deny him, but he also told him that he would die a martyr. 
And that's in um, the Gospel of John, chapter 21, verse 18 through 19. But we can't find his death in scripture. Doesn't say how he died. But I have to say, all to sum all it up in reference to what we've learned about Peter today is that, you know, we can look at a person where they are in their season. And we watch people grow from, we watch people grow and grow and grow, become better people. The same way that we have to grow and become better people, even as followers of Christ, even as leaders, that we have to learn to, you know, to grow in more in compassion and, and, and have humility and not be prideful. Because when we look at Peter, he had to go through all of those things, and yet he still denied Christ. But yet he preached, he preached down heaven on the day of, the, of Pentecost to, to set the captives free, and people and many souls were saved. That all that he went through led up to that great sermon. All the things and life experiences that all of us have been through, the sum total of who we are and, and, and the things to come, prepare us for ministry. We should be able to talk about anything in, in reference to what we've experienced, how we can, how we can empathize with people that have gone through what we've gone through, or we've gone through what they've gone through, that we can teach Jesus lessons through our life experiences. And we don't have to be puffed up because we know that if we're teaching through life experiences, we only have one father. We know who saved him, and that's Jesus Christ. We know that we were saved by the grace of God. So that God brought us through those life experiences so that we can be the living epistle, the living testimony to be able to bring people in. Our testimony draws people into him. To him, not to ourselves. So as leaders, as we practice humility <clears throat> and we work on our pride issues, and even if we have a little bit of pride, it's still a sin. That we look at Peter and, 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 and we look at all that he was, and even though you might call yourself a thug for Jesus and all that, at the same time, he was a thug for Jesus and then he denied him. Just like, just like the people said, Hosanna, Hosanna. And then the next week they said, crucify him, and crucify him. We have those people out here that are sitting right under us in our ministries. And so how do we minister to them? How do we get them to the point where they are standing flat foot in their belief in who Jesus really is? We teach them the word. We have Bible study. We show by example. We practice compassion. We teach them how to be servants as we serve as well, not being served. Because Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, I come to serve. So if we're going to be just like Jesus, we have come to serve, not to be served. So that's all I have in the life of Peter. Peter is awesome. I could go on and on about him, but I just love the fact that his transformation, the how at the end, when he got to the, um, to the day of Pentecost, he preached down fire. The Holy Ghost took over and souls were saved because Peter did not let go. He came, jumped back from his failure. He realized he had denied Jesus. He realized he was wrong. And therefore he became more fervent in Christ and more connected to Christ because he walked with him and he, he knew exactly who he was and who gave him mercy. Amen? Amen. Woo. All right, people.
Amen. Wow. Comments, comments. This was awesome. This was wonderful. God awesome. bless you. Awesome. Very good. Very good lesson. Comments, questions, anyone, please say something. This was good. I liked everything you said, even about the um about the servants. Um, one thing you said about um wanting to serve like people we touched about we talked about it before how people they get a gift they get a, uh they, they have a gift but instead of learning how to humble themselves and learn how to serve they want to just jump out and go out there and and you have to learn how to be submissive to your leaders you have to learn how to be submissive and to your you know to your church and and, and you know and all that that's a very good point because a lot of people nowadays think that because they have a, an anointing or a gift that they don't have to be submissive and i'm so glad you brought that point out that was very good i'm so glad you brought that point out because people need to understand that you know you have to be you know you got to learn how to serve you know jesus was the greatest example of a servant you even talked about that it takes servanthood before you become a leader before you can go out there and do what God has called you to do. You got to learn how to sit underneath somebody and learn how to serve, period. You ain't got no, you got to get the foundations. You got to get the basics down back first. That's right. Like this grandma say, sit down somewhere, sit down. Yeah. I remember when we, when we um <laughs> came, I, when I came to another church, I sat, they sat you for a year. Even though you came and yes. I got that profit and, ministry i was a minister a prophetess and they i sat for a year didn't do nothing before they didn't <laughs> do anything sat for a year so you know wow. people don't do that anymore so many things have changed but yeah because they, they think that you know everybody's become an apostle overnight and um they go from apostle to bishop within six weeks and then there's so many online courses where people can get these these pseudo degrees and they're not real degrees um, and that's become really prevalent too. Um, so we have to be mindful. Um, not saying you can't study, <clears throat> excuse me, just make sure that you're studying for the right reason. You're studying to learn the word of God and not studying to try to gain a title um, and somebody, in a, you know, in a body of, uh, body of believers in some church that we are to make sure that we are serving Christ with all of our heart and with, with a pure heart. Mm -hmm. pure heart and not just for our own purpose yeah see people want to get these go they want to do it they're doing it because they want recognition mm -hmm. not to expound and utilize the gift that and the callings that are within them they just want to do it for recognition and that's where they make the mistake right that's where the mistake is made absolutely <coughs> excuse me i love peter and <laughs> we do too. <laughs> I do. I love Peter. I do. Um, definitely one of my favorites, but I love how you pointed out that, you know, everything that he he was taught, that Jesus was trying to get the message of love in him. He was trying to teach him how to love and how to love his people. You know, don't just love me, you know, me as in Jesus, but love my people. You know, right. love my people, learn to love my people. 
And, and I think that's something that a lot of people don't seem to get. Like I hear a lot of people, they say like, you know, I'm like Peter, I'll cut you out and cut your ear off and you know, da, da, da. and like, that wasn't the point. You got to realize that Peter learned <laughs> to that. love. Right. Peter right. learned to love. So you walking around here talking about, I, you know, I'll cut your ear, I, I, I'm that apostle. Okay. <laughs> but what if, when you going to grow up and when you're going to learn that it wasn't just about that, like God, Jesus taught him how to love. Peter was a man of love and he loved God's people. So that doesn't even fly anymore. <laughs> no, and not only that, they forget the part where Jesus rebuked Peter right there. Right. right. And put the ear back on. Right. Oh, you right. already said that. Right there, Jesus rebuked him and put the, uh, put the, the soldier's ear back on. That's yep. right. Yes, Peter was rough around the edges. That's one thing I like about Peter is he yeah. was rough around the edges like many of us are. Right. But God still was able to use him even with his rough edges. And this yeah. is the thing too that he also said to him. He said, Peter, do you love me? He said, yes, I do. He said, feed my sheep. Remember, he was the one that kept telling him, feed my sheep. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Feed yeah. My sheep. Do you love me, Peter? <laughs> feed my sheep. <laughs> yep. That yeah. is your favorite line. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Because I just told John that. I said, do you love me? He goes, yes, yeah. I said, well, keep the sheep. Oh, Lord. <laughs> he says that all the time. <laughs> really? Because you know, that's what Jesus said to Peter. That's you know, right. Because like Joy, like Elder Joy was saying, he was trying to put that in him, get that down in his spirit. To love his people, feed my sheep, love. Do you love me? If you love me, you'll feed my sheep. That's right. And that's what every leader should understand. If you love God, you are willing to feed the sheep. You should be willing to feed God's people. Feed mm-hmm. them the word. Feed them, love them. You know, that's like right. like who was it? Uh, your grandmother or your mother say, love the hell out of them. That's right. That's what she said. I love the hell out of you. Yeah, you know, love that out of them. Mm-hmm. Let them know that, that Christ loves the unlovable. And that's where we have to get to that point. There are some people, you know, there are some people in life, let's be real, that, you know, you you kind of look at them side-eyed. But even those people that you look at side-eyed, you got to love them. And you yeah, got to ask pray. God to give you the grace to love. Mm-hmm. And pray for the things that you see. Or, yes. you know, if, if you see things are incorrect or they're struggling with something, then you intercede on their behalf because somebody did for us. Yes, God, I know my mama did because God, right. Jesus, my goodness, mm. Mm. I'm just saying, yes. you know. But the experiences that um, that our life experiences teach us should teach us to love more. That how can yeah. you come from come from sin, filth, whatever, you know, get saved, and God puts you together, and then you hate on people that were that are where you were. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, they're before the grace you of God. You can't look right. You can't look down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because to be honest with you, this whole nation, we saw through the pandemic, missed a couple of paychecks and look what happens. Mm-hmm. All those people who were living off of credit cards and they had, and, and them people, they wasn't driving in the hoopies and them lines. There were some suburban people with nice cars in them food lines. That had lost their jobs and had ran out of money, you know, and, and those, you know, I'm not saying that they were judgmental of the people, but like you said, for the grace of God, there goes out because then every, my, my grandmother always told me everybody gets turned. She always say, she said, she said, don't be, don't get caught up in the good times because everybody get a turn. <clears throat> you know, the valleys, the, the highs and the lows of life. 
Right. You know, it teaches us to be humble and in leadership that we should, that we're here to serve. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. That's how we have to learn, you know, like the Bible says, learn how to be content in the state that you're mm-hmm. in, whether you're up in the mountain, on a mountaintop or you're down in the valley. We have Possible. To Possible. We have, That's to to we have to learn how to be cool. And I'm, if I'm doing bad, I'm good. If I'm doing good, I'm good. You know, mm-hmm. got to learn how to, you know, to manage, how to survive, how to handle it. Peace and abound, right. Right. Because some people, I mean, even when, back when the stock market crashed, people mm-hmm. were, men were jumping out of windows, killing yep. them because they lost everything. Lost everything because everything, everything they believed in had revolved around money, not, not life, and not being a human being, and not living. Mm-hmm. That their their status quo and their self worth was tied up against their bank account. Yep. And that's really sad. And there's some people that are like that. Yep, because they, they, they didn't never learn how to live without. They always had. Yep. So we need to learn. We need to learn quick. Because <laughs> some of this stuff is going to fade away. Mm-hmm. It's going to fade away. But um, they're gonna they're gonna learn how to make a pile of beans. <laughs> Eating that steak, mignon, yo, they're gonna know how to make a pile of beans real quick. Get some cornbread. Mm-hmm. It's a smoked neck bones and rice. Yeah, man. <laughs> right, <laughs> you got some neck bones, but still, you know. But I, I just I just love that that. You know that Peter, that even though he was rough around the edges like all of us are, mm-hmm. um, that he learned so much, and that the fact that he denied Christ, mm-hmm. that I can't imagine how he felt, and the fact that that Jesus prophesied two things in his life: he was going to deny him, he was going to die a martyr, but he called mm-hmm. him the rock. But he called him the rock. Mm-hmm. And he was the most rebuked. He stayed in more trouble, <laughs> you yeah. know. And but but also, Jesus prayed for him. He said, "I pray." You know, Satan is asking for you. He desires to sift you like wheat. Mm-hmm. You know. So, wow! I can't believe we almost on week twelve. That was quick. Oh, what's it? It was wonderful. It was very very good. Um, Amen. I, enjoyed, I enjoyed every week. Every week I was excited to see what you were coming, how you were coming, and what would you want to say. I never know how I just I just studied through my notes and they show my computer and sometimes the day I go through my read them and then God show me something else, I type it up and, and then I just go and then I don't know how it's gonna come out. I have no idea. I but just know it, I, it flows. I, it I never know the way God wants it, and it comes out <laughs> real good. I mean, I kudos to you, and um, I thank God once again, like for your gift <laughs> to the body. I thank God for your obedience. I thank God for even dropping this in your spirit to do. Um, it was much needed. It's much needed, um, and uh, so I'm gleaning from it. I'm learning, you know, and I appreciate it. I definitely appreciate it, Peter. This was a good one. I I I didn't think you'd get any better than that. What was the other one that was that that had me crying? Who was it? Was it um was it David or Daniel? Which one I was up here crying? I, I don't remember. Me. I was boo boo crying, but this got me going too. I'm like, oh my god, this is like <laughs> better and better and better. But it it is good. I mean, this is wonderful. Um, Amen. Again, I tell everyone who are, who's listening to the sound of my voice right now.
go back and listen and watch the replays. We got some of the lessons on, on, on Facebook Live replay. We have all of them on the, well, one of them we forgot on the podcast. That was my bad. But they're on the podcast. I'll go back and listen. This is a phenomenal lesson. It is good teaching, especially for leaders. And all of those of you who have someone that you know that's a leader in leadership position, you want, want to tell them to come back and listen to this and watch this, uh, watch the replays. It's very good. Um, do anyone else have anything they want to say or any other comments? Before we close out. Okay, good. So at this time, we're going to ask, is, is, is Prophet Tina, are you able to pray us and close us out? Or is she, is she? Or she ain't in school no more. That's right, graduate. <laughs> I want to pray. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. Tina, Tina, Ooh. Tina. I forgot you, you, ain't, you graduated. I can't say she yeah. class. <laughs> no. How did you feel walking that stage? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. How did it feel when you got yeah. the got that little certificate in your hand? How did it feel, Prophet? I don't cry every day. <laughs> <laughs> I would too. I, I don't cry every day. I think once it was all over and, and we sat in a car mm -hmm. and everything, I cried so hard I made my stomach hurt. Because mm. it 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 I it became a reality. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's wonderful. Well, we yeah. praise God. We praise God for all things. Yeah. So we we congratulate you one more again. Yeah. <laughs> Thank y'all so much. We love. Thank y'all so much, and love y'all even more. Our hearts and minds are clear. Oh, I'm sorry. sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Come off of me. Sorry, too late. What did that do? She said I was No, I just love the part when Pastor was a Pastor John were watching it. The Pastor was going, Tina, Tina. <laughs> and she can hear me, right? Yeah, we was hollering. <laughs> no, but we did hear you on the video, but it was just so good to hear him. Y'all were funny. But it was so oh good to, to hear y'all celebrate yeah. her. That was amazing. But she goes, she, she goes, okay, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The next person came, she goes, okay, that's it. <laughs> I'm done. done. I, was, I cut it off. I ain't see. It was so cute. It was so cute, but it, it just it did her heart. Was. We just, my aunt even laughed. We, when she shared it. We, we just loved it. We shared it with the family. They loved it. Because um, that's all I had. When, she's like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> I was like, I had to buy. I know, but she, the whole time Gina's face was up there, she was screaming. As soon as she's bringing she's like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> like, that's it. <laughs> This is a great accomplishment, and I was excited. Oh, I can't help it. I was just so happy. Well, go ahead. All right, all right. Go ahead, Prophetess. <laughs> Stop laughing. I'm going to mute my phone I'm going to be laughing. <laughs> it was beautiful. It was beautiful. All hearts and minds are clear. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I just want to say thank you, God. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for this Bible study tonight. 
as grandmother would say, each week got gooder and gooder. And Lord, I thank you because it did. I wasn't able to attend all, but all the ones that I was able to, Lord, you showed up and showed out. And I thank you, God. I thank you, God, for using, for using prophets Patrice the way that you have these past 11 weeks. It was a mighty word. It was this inner, and she just blew the trumpet, and it was all well. Father God, I thank you as we do depart tonight that we all remember Peter and that we all remember that Peter is in all of us. And I thank you, God, for even as Jesus rebuked him, he did it in love. And what a great lesson that is. Even though he was a thug for Christ, he still was rebuked in love and Jesus just loved him even more. So, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, oh God. I thank you for my Georgia family. I thank you, oh God, for the pure hearts. I thank you, oh God, how they want to see your children know more about you through prayer on Tuesdays and Thursdays and through Bible studies on Wednesday night, and through their deeds in the community, oh God. They just want your children to know more about you. We may fall short from time to time, oh God, but at the end of the day, their hearts are pointed towards you, oh God. Lord, I thank you for tonight's word. And the, those who will listen to the recording, I pray that you listen to the words that were spoken and taught tonight. And may it pierce something in you or enlighten something in you that it's okay to have a Peter in you as well. But whatever you do, do it in love. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 All right, good people. All right, we love you all. Love, love you guys. Next week. And thank you love again. You. Next week we'll be doing Apostle Paul. That's week number 12. Are you okay? Oh no, Apostle Paul. Tina, were you yes. okay? Yes, I'm yeah. fine. You said Apostle Paul. But <laughs> she had choked on something. No, no, no. Amen. Amen. Well, we'll see you guys. Pastor, we're about to see you in the morning. Life lasting, God say so. And uh, she's still on mute, so she must be either laughing or crying or something. But anyway, um, let you guys go. Love you guys. Good night, Pastor Ruth. Good night, Pastor John. Good night, Elder Joy. Yo! Sorry, I didn't realize I was still on mute. Good night. <laughs> All right, guys. Joy, <laughs> Y'all so silly. Y'all are so silly. I, I love her name. I know. Joy, yeah. Joy, <laughs> Joy, yo. No. Hey, so I see you.
<laughs> the next time I see her, I'm gonna say that she's gonna be like, "Oh God, oh my man, in public, public." <laughs> I, I miss y'all. I ain't seen y'all what about two. Was it was it two years? No. no when did we go three. to the? It was three. No, the first demonstration. We haven't seen him since the first demonstration. We didn't see um Pastor yeah. John because he was still sick. The first right. demonstration. When was that? Was that twenty? Was that last? No. Year? Was was it, it was 2019. It was 19. Yeah, it was right. It was right before everything hit. The pandemic. Right. Yeah. Right. January if you desire to be a blessing to the ministry, you may do so by sending a love gift to www.paypal.me forward slash VLCC or through our cash app, which is the dollar sign VLCC Life. We also invite you to stop by our website by clicking on the link. May God bless you and may your day always be victorious.